Hello, my name is Michael and I obsess. I come across something that grabs me and I consume until I can't take anymore and then I'm on to the next. Some obsessions last a week, others a lifetime. It is my intention to explore these obsessions with you as they occur while the passion is hot. Welcome to Eclectic Obsessions. was introduced to the goons through another radio program called the Dr. Demento Show, which would frequently play their songs. I never knew that there was a show. I never knew Peter Sellers was a member. Later on, I discovered that Beatles producer George Martin worked on their recordings and that all the Beatles, but specifically John Lennon, was a fan of their program. Eventually, I found records of their radio shows and fell in love with their humor. We will be exploring their shows, songs, and legacy on this episode of Eclectic Obsessions. This is the BBC Home Service. Hold it up to the light, not a brain in sight. <laughs> ah, John Fryer Sellers, taste this script. Mm, yes, what is that? This means yet another extraordinary talking type wireless corn show. <laughs> They don't write tunes like that anymore. <laughs> Let's hear the other side. Stop! The Goon Show was a British radio show that started in 1951 and ran until 1960. It changed the face of British comedy and still maintains its influence to this day. The goons included Spike Milligan, Peter Sellers, and Harry Seacombe. They burst onto the radio with surreal storylines, absurd logic, puns, catchphrases, and groundbreaking sound effects. They ridiculed the pomposity of those in authority and laughed at the stupidity of mankind. All of the cast members served in the military during World War II and became involved in entertaining the troops. This subsequently led on to showbiz careers when they left the military. By the late 40s, they were all carving out individual careers in London stage and radio, with Spike becoming interested in script writing. They met or were introduced to each other and decided to create a radio show. They began to gather at a pub called Grafton's, which becomes a popular watering hole for them and other up-and-coming stars. Jimmy Grafton, the landlord of the pub and scriptwriter, is instrumental in getting the goons started at the BBC. He will also edit the early series of the show. Entertainment shows at the time were largely based on the old music hall tradition, with songs, specialty acts, and comedians telling gags. The format of the show was similar to many other radio comedies, consisting of a number of comedy sketches and musical interludes. From the third series, episodes moved towards having one overall plot, with two musical interludes with the same characters beginning to appear in each episode. To appreciate the effect of The Goon Show, it is useful to understand the world at that time. Television was still in its infancy during the 1950s, and radio shows attracted huge audiences. World War II ended six years before the Goon Show started, but Britain was still recovering. Food and petrol were still rationed, and post-war austerity meant Britain was a rather drab and downtrodden place. 
The dignified, stiff upper lip attitude still prevailed, but many who lived through the war were more inclined to question the rules and authorities that controlled their lives. Onto the scene burst the goons with a quick-fire, irreverent brand of humor that mocked those in establishment and offered a different farcical view of the world. What made the goon show different was its attitude. The comedy was edgier than its contemporaries and it used mad characters, satire, and groundbreaking sound effects in a surreal way unlike anything that had done before. There were originally four main cast members, Spike Milligan, Peter Sellers, Harry Seacombe, and Michael Benteen. Spike Milligan would later be considered by many to be the grandfather of modern British comedy due to his work on The Goon Show and subsequent projects. Peter Sellers would go on to be a world-famous comic actor, best known for playing Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther movies. Harry Seacombe remained a well-loved singer and entertainer throughout his career. Michael Benteen left the group after only a few series and before the show reached its peak of success. He went on to have individual success as an author and comedian. The show's chief creator and main writer was Spike Milligan. The scripts mixed ludicrous plots with surreal humor, puns, catchphrases, and an array of bizarre sound effects. Some of the later episodes feature electronic effects devised by the fledgling BBC Radiophonic Workshop, many of which were reused by other shows for decades. Many elements of the show satirized contemporary life in Britain, parodying aspects of show business, commerce, industry, art, politics, diplomacy, the police, the military, education, class structure, literature, and film. The program exercised a considerable influence on the development of British comedy and popular culture. It was cited as a major influence by the Beatles, as well as Monty Python and many others. The show paved the way for surreal and alternative humor, which was part of the attraction for sellers. Many of the sequences have been cited as being visionary in the way that they challenged the traditional conventions of comedy. In Monty Python's autobiography, Terry Jones states, The goons, of course, were my favorite. It was the surreality of the imagery and the speed of the comedy that I loved, the way they broke up the conventions of radio and played with the very nature of the medium. This is reiterated by Michael Palin and John Cleese in their contributions to the book. Cleese recalls listening to The Goon Show as a teenager in the mid-1950s and being absolutely amazed by its surreal humor. It came at a key stage in my own development, and I never missed a show. These were my childhood heroes. I became almost obsessed with them. And I'm glad that I did, because many years later I was able to understand the audience response to Monty Python in a way that I would never have done if I hadn't been so such a fan of that show. It was rather like hearing Elvis Presley doing Heartbreak Hotel uh, for the first time. You knew this was very, very different. And it wasn't just that my father sort of looked askance at the radio when he heard it. Um, it was that there was something in the form of it that was different. It was in its use of pre-recorded and live sound effects that The Goon Show broke the most new ground. Part of the problem was that not even Milligan knew how to capture electronically the peculiar sounds that came alive in his head. He just knew when it had not yet happened. Seacombe noted that Spike used to drive the studio managers mad with his insistence on getting the sound effects he wanted. In the beginning, when the program was recorded on disc, it was extremely difficult to achieve the right sound effect. There were, I think, four turntables on the go simultaneously, with different sounds being played on each. Chickens clucking, Big Ben striking, donkeys braying, massive explosions, ship sirens, all happening at once. 
It was only when tape came into use that Spike felt really happy with the effects. An effects instruction in one script read, Sound effect of two lions walking away, bumping against each other. If you can't get two lions, two hippos will do. Over time, the sound engineers became increasingly adept at translating the script into desired sounds, assisted from the late 1950s onwards by specialists in the BBC's newly formed radiophonic workshop. Additionally, Milligan played games with the medium itself. Whole scenes were written in which characters would leave, close the door behind themselves, yet still be inside the room. Further to this, characters would announce their departure, slam a door, but it would be another character that had left the room. That character would then beat on the door for readmittance, the door would open and close, and again the wrong character would be locked out. The typical format of the show consisted of three acts linked by a continuing plot, with jazz harmonica player Max Geldray performing between acts one and two, and singer Ray Ellington and his quartet between acts two and three. Both Ellington and Geldray also made occasional cameo appearances. The closing theme, backing for Geldray and incidental music, was provided by a big band under the direction of Wally Stott, who had been writing for the show since the first series. After the end of series three, original announcer Andrew Timothy was replaced by Wallace Greenslade, who provides spoken narrative links as well as occasionally performing small roles in the scripts. Harry Seacombe's character was Nettie Seagoon. Nettie was an affable but gullible idiot the central figure of all the shows, but his greed regularly leads him astray. Often chronically poor and or part of the government, Sigun frequently falls prey to the schemes of Hercules Gripped Pipe Thin and Count Jim Moriarty, and needs the help of Blue Bottle, Eccles, and sometimes even Major Bloodknock to rescue himself. And here is the midget composer, Harry Nuts Seacombe. <laughs> Oh. And let me inform you, Wallace, that no midget composer am I. Oh. My vocation is engineering. I graduated in tunnel building. How terribly, terribly. Yes, 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 yeah. My first big tunnel I built in 1931. Oh, yes, I remember now. Six other convicts escaped with you. <laughs> what, 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 All lies, I tell you. We were just dressed as convicts. It was carnival night. That's how we slipped away unnoticed. All lies, I tell you, all lies. Spike Milligan's characters are Eccles, Miss Minnie Bannister, and Count Jim Moriarty. Eccles is the original goon. Mad Dan Eccles is a tall, lanky, amiable, well-meaning, but incredibly stupid teenager who often found himself involved, usually alongside Blue Bottle, in one of the nefarious schemes created by arch-villain Hercules Gripped Pipe Thin. Jokes about his stupidity are a staple of the show, with Eccles himself cheerfully joining in. His character serves both grown-up parts and as the playmate of Blue Bottle. <laughs> what time is it, Eccles? Uh, just a minute, I, I got it written down here on a piece of paper. A nice man wrote the time down for me this morning. Ah, then why do you carry it around with you, I guess? Well, um, if uh, anybody asks me the time, I, I can show it to them. Wait a minute, I guess, my good man. 
What is it, Palu? It's written on this bit of paper, but it's eight o'clock it's written. I know that, my good fellow. That's right. Um, when I asked a fellow to write it down, it was eight o'clock. Well, then, supposing when somebody asks you the time, it isn't eight o'clock. Well, then I don't show it to them. <laughs> I got it written down on a piece of paper. <laughs> oh, I wish I could afford a piece of paper with a time written on. Oh. Here, Echo. Yeah? Let me hold that piece of paper to my ear, would you? Here. This piece of paper ain't going. I've been told a forgery. No wonder it stopped at eight o'clock. Oh, dear. You should get one of them things my granddad's got. Oh? oh. His firm gave it to him when he retired. Oh. It's one of them things what it is that wakes you up at eight o'clock, boils the kettle, and pours a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. Um, um, what's it called? Um? My grandma. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'll wait a minute. How does she know when it's eight o'clock? She got it written down on a piece of paper. Miss Minnie Bannister is a spinster, a sexy senior citizen who plays the saxophone and regularly breaks out in song or dance. She lives in sin with Henry Crun, but whenever Major Bloodnock comes on the scene, it's made clear that they were lovers in the past. to say, how do you do? Well, tell him about the brother. He says, not, not the bother. Man says, don't bother. Don't bother to say, how do you do, Henry? How do you do, Min? Sir, please. Morning. 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 Please, would you care to give us a brief resume of your plan? Mr. Crunch got the whole idea from a Sunday newspaper. Yes. Certainly get some ideas from them, can't you? Naughty, she Well, have you know, Mr. Sealoon, we don't spend our Sunday mornings reading those sinful Sunday newspapers. No, we just sleep on till tea time. <laughs> then we read the Sunday newspapers. <laughs> oh, 
Why, those naughty type revivals of rock and roll. What's he doing? What's he doing? Careful, careful. Yeah, I'm in the groove. Uh, careful. Uh, blind 14. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where we were. Stop that naughty whatever you are. Count Jim Moriarty is an impoverished member of the French aristocracy who has turned to crime to support his lifestyle. Despite having carried out many high-paying cons and robberies during this series, he and his criminal counterpart Hercules Gripped Pipe Thin always appear to be permanently destitute, delightfully wretched in his poverty and degradation. So pristine knuckles! When I heard that sound, I ran downstairs, and with the aid of a doorknob and two hinges, I made this sound! Good morning. Good morning. Just a moment. <laughs> Hello. Air Ministry Roof. Report. Yes, yes. Thank you. You're perfectly right. It is a good morning. <laughs> Thank you. My name is Nettie Seagull. What a memory you have. <laughs> Needle, not a little. I've, uh, I've come to move the piano. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you must excuse my filthy hands, but I've just been washing my face. Sorry, I'll Jim. Yes? Can I borrow your shoe? I want to read the paper. I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, Oh, we appear to have company. <laughs> this gentleman has come in answer to your advertisement. Oh, how lovely. <laughs> come in, sit down. Thank you. Have a gorilla. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm trying to give them up. <laughs> Peter Sellers' characters are Major Bloodknock, Hercules Gripped Pipe Thin, Blue Bottle, and Henry Crun. Major Dennis Bloodnock's army career was notable for cowardice and monetary irregularities. He was discharged from the Indian Army after being found dressed as a woman, although he claims it was carnival night. He too is a thief who tries to steal from one and all. He is afflicted with extreme gastric distress, and his introductory theme is usually followed by a bizarre series of explosions and bubbling noises that represent his stomach rumbling. He comments on these sounds himself with Quick Nurse, the screens, or Oh, no more curried eggs for me. Occasionally the sound effect won't play and he'll comment, I'm cured. My dear little Alice, Blue Goon. Bloodnock? What? Come out and fight. Surrender the fort. I can't. It's Leasehold and, and, and Litchfield and Grosvenor Estates and all that. <laughs> Checks and postal orders only, you know. <laughs> Who's that out there playing the part of Ray Ellington? It's my mortal enemy, the Red Bladder. 
<laughs> Go away, bladder, and find your own television series. Blood knock, you coward! What? He can't call me a coward and get away with it. You big coward! He got away with it! <laughs> Dark Nebby! Hello, what, yes? Ah, yes, that was the Beeb Beeb Seeb. <laughs> They've switched goon shows. This is now number 162. What? Pardon me, sir. What is it? I... What is it, private parts? It, what it, is it? It is. It's private parts, isn't it? No, <laughs> no sir, I am Singe's thing. Singe's thing? <laughs> if I remember you very well, yes. Yes. Yes, what, what do you want? What do you want? Kiamangtahai, Kiamangtahai. It's time for tomorrow perversion, sir. Time for my perversion? Yes, sir. Good. Good, let's start now. I've Come along. Yes, now the whips. Oh. Yes. Oh. 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 yes, let me have the stock sticker now. I like that right now. Oh. The steering wheel club, closely followed by the touch of the Hefner. And oh, come on, more touch of now. That's it. Yes, is it all over? Yes. What about the starters? <laughs> now then, no, no, that's no, better. Sir. Now this uniform goes back to Moss Brothers tomorrow. Yes, sir. There's a deposit. There is a deposit on it. Oh, that'll brush off. Don't worry about that. <laughs> now. <then>. now. <laughs> Why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing that lovely floral cretonne frock? You're not the relief column, are you? Take your hands off me and place them higher up. Oh, that's where it's all happening, is it? <laughs> I'm dressed like this for Goon Show 161. Listen to that. My pension's got through. <laughs> Look, Ned, you need rest. There's only one place. Go down into the coal cellar and do it down there. Hercules gripped Pipe Thin is the smooth-spoken and sophisticated principal villain on the show and is usually accompanied by his companion in crime, Count Jim Moriarty. The main plot usually follows an impoverished gripped Pipe Thin thinking up a money-making scheme which involves the usually equally impoverished Nettie Seagoon being the fall guy. Good evening. Have a gorilla? <laughs> no, thanks. I've just put one out. Oh. Can I help either of you two gentlemen? Two? I'm alone. Good heavens, so you are. <laughs> are you the proper iota? Yes, Mr. Hercules Gridpipe Thin, doctor of philosophy, professor and degree in mathematics, master of arts, M.A., Cantab, and... Night Order of the Bath. Good heavens. I wish I had those qualifications. So do I. <laughs> Are you absolutely sure that you won't have a gorilla? No, thank you. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm going back to England in a few days, and I'd like to buy something for my wife. Uh, an antique. Well, how about this early pottery record of Max Geldrey? No, I don't think she'd care for that antique. How about uh, something more Egyptian? Oh, yes. Well, here is a catalogue of our current pyramids for sale. Pyramids? 
I couldn't take one of those back to England. Of course not. You leave it here, and every now and then we write, letting you know how it's getting on. <laughs> Jolly English type joker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Middle level. <laughs> to name but a few. <laughs> wait, wait. Come to think of it. Huh? It would be something to own a pillow, eh? Hey? Wouldn't oh, it? Of course it would. <laughs> Yes, it's catalogue hers. Eh? That's my brochure. Yes. How is your old brochure? Yes, I say. How much is this pyramid on page three? My dear sir, you couldn't have chosen a better model. <laughs> Only done 4,000 years and had one previous owner. Why is he selling? He died. <laughs> oh, I am sorry. I'm terrible. Oh, how, how about this one here? Oh, that. Well, of course, that is the great pyramid of Tokmes the Third, son of Ka, the sun god, great pharaoh of the upper and lower Nile kingdoms, conqueror of the Scythians, the Assyrians, treasure vault of the Ptolemies, and the greatest pyramid in the world. How much? Eight bob. <laughs> Eight silver shillings for a pyramid? <laughs> But it's second-hand. Curse. The man must be an Egyptologist. <laughs> no, no, I, I can't pay eight shillings. All right, very well, then nine. Nine and six. Ten shillings. <laughs> Ten and six. Sold to the knit in the plasticine boots and lead trilby. Now, <laughs> oh, when can I see my pyramid? Immediately. I'll have you driven there in my own private trousers. Oh, Moriarty! I heard you call my capitaine. Give us in swine. That's my line. Oh, Get I... on the ground. <laughs> Blue Bottle is an adenoidal, squeaky-voiced Boy Scout from East Finchley. He was noted for reading his own stage directions out loud and was always greeted with a deliberate round of applause from the audience. He is the playmate of Eccles, and most shows contain an extended scene with just them. Better second hands. Stand away, little stringy pants. This is man's work. But I have done my homework and I wash my knees. Look. Points to white spot on leg. Stop that tooting, man. <laughs> Where's Major Bradlock? I can play that part better than he can, him can. I'm in the school play at Christmas. Put some white beard. Hooray. Wait a moment. There is a part for you. I knew you wouldn't have played this game with that little blue bottle. What do I say, Captain? Read this, but don't read it huh? till I tell you. My little Captain is going a long way off to see if I can shout to him. <laughs> Turns from window, so I will not shout at him. Right now! Read it out now! I heard you... <clears throat> Reads part. <clears throat> My name is Ned Seagoon. <laughs> you rotten swan, you! You have deaded me before we even started the game. And you have singed my Edward Purdom Egyptian type shirt. <laughs> Moves off for new supply of crepe. Henry Crun is a crumbling, fumbling, very old man but he takes elderly gentlemen's get-fit hormones and is the nearly lusty paramour of Miss Minnie Bannister. They often play significant roles in the story, frequently in occupations for which they seem ill-suited. 
Most shows contain at least one extended scene with just him and Minnie. What have I done with my front door key? Let me see. Trouser cupboard, wine cellar, hot water tap, butter dish, Minnie's ginger wine still. Drat it. Every key but the front door. Ah, well. Understand it. We live in a bungalow. <laughs> now, what's all this again? What is this? I can't get in, Min. I dropped my key out in the dark and I can't see. Oh, well, come inside in the light and have a look for it. Thank you, Min. Now, now, hurry up, Henry. I will, I will. I don't go back to bed, Min. I'm not in yet. Oh, hurry up. I don't want to wait up all night waiting for you to come home. Well, don't rush me, Min. As soon as I find the key, I'll let myself in. Okay. Oh, it. I can't find it. I, I, I can't find the key. Well, why don't you knock? I, I'll let you in. <laughs> all right. In 1959, Milligan announces that the ninth series will be the last. At the end of one recording session, a group of girls hand over a petition signed by 1,030 listeners pleading with him to carry on writing the goons. Harry Seacombe also misses the recording of the final episode. One more series was made. In 1960, the tenth and last series ends with the show's popularity still high. It's better to go out on top. The Goons also wrote and recorded music. Fourteen songs in total, but there are two that really stand out. The Ying Tong song was written by Spike Milligan and performed by the Goons, usually led by Harry Seacombe. It is a nonsense song, consisting of small verses interspersed by a completely nonsensical chorus. Three. My 
for Christmas had originally made its debut in the episode The Great Tuscan Salami Scandal, during which the goons were without their usual orchestra and musical interlude performances due to a strike called by the Musicians' Union. To fill in the three-minute interludes from the storyline, Spike Milligan performed this classic song accompanied by Peter Sellers' unique piano play. Let's 
I'm working backwards for Christmas to prove that I love you. An immigrant lad loved an Irish Colleen from a Dublin's Galway boy. He longed for her arms, but she spurned his charms, and she sailed o'er the form away. She left the land by himself on his own, all alone, sorrowing. And sadly he dreamed, or at least that's the way it seemed, buddy, that an angel choir to him, an angel choir did sing. Across the Irish Sea, I'm walking backwards for Christmas. It's the finest thing for me, and so I've tried walking sideways and walking to the front. But people just laughed and said, it's a publicity stunt. So I'm walking backwards for Christmas to prove that I love you. And for an encore... Hey, I didn't think much of that. I think that my side was better. Get that child out of here. The Last Goon Show of All On October 5th, 1972, 12 years after their last on-air appearance, The Last Goon Show of All broadcast as part of the celebrations of the 50th anniversary of the BBC. It was simulcast on radio and television and later released as an audio recording on Long Playing Record. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, my husband and I have great pleasure in starting this goon show number 161. Oh. <laughs> my husband and I have great pleasure in starting this goon show number 161. <laughs> My husband and I are having great difficulty in starting school <laughs> show number 161. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> A constable of old England played by an aging Peter Sellers. I'm sorry, sir, you cannot put that huge, bloated Welsh body down. Watch it, Rosa. I have been watching it, sir, and it gives me no pleasure. <laughs> no, there's not many people know that. What is your name, sir? Harry Seacole. What a splendid memory you've got, sir. <laughs> Harding, son, would you like to explain as to why you are wearing a flowered criton frock 
Explain? Yes. Haven't you read the court circular? No, I'm waiting till they make the film. <laughs> of the book, of the sketch of the street, of the play. Now listen, Constable. Yes. We finished. Um, what? Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm dressed like this because I have been asked to represent Her Majesty the Queen. Oh, I'm sorry, your Queen. My refund for apologies. I'm sorry. It's too late for that. It's only half past five. <laughs> We're having difficulty starting this goon show. Let's have a look at the tonk now. Tonk? Oh, I see you've still got the same typist you had in 1953. <laughs> <laughs> I still have her. No one's found out yet. <laughs> yes. Here's the trouble, your queen. There's, uh... There's no jokes in this fuel tonk. <laughs> Just shout a few in. I say, I say, I say. What do you say? What do you say? How do you start a pudding race? I don't know. How do you start a pudding race? Say go. <laughs> Someone get me out of here. I say, I say. Can a lady with a wooden leg change a pound note? She can't. All together, folks. She's only got half a knitter. <laughs> Once aware of the goon style of humor, you see it riddled through British culture to follow. Not so much in America. We were more influenced by people who were influenced by the goons, such as the Beatles and Monty Python. I just count myself lucky that I traced back the thread, because I have been obsessed with them for years. Thank you for listening to Eclectic Obsessions. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave me a review. All five-star reviews will be read on the show. You can follow the show on Facebook at Eclectic Obsessions, on Twitter at Eclectic Obsess One, on Instagram at Eclectic Obsessions Podcast, and on YouTube at Eclectic Obsessions. I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to email the show at ecobpod at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks with a new eclectic obsession. <laughs>